Hello, and welcome to Hidden History, an Odyssey Through Time. I'm your host, John Rodriguez, and this is the first episode of the podcast, A Covert Life, The Redman's Story. If you Google the name Hugh Francis Redman, you will find a Wikipedia page devoted to his story. Two meager paragraphs that sum up Redmond's life from start to finish, painting the picture of just another World War II vet who worked for the CIA in the early days of the organization, was caught, imprisoned, and eventually killed by the Chinese government. Oh, I'm sorry. The official story is that Redmond killed himself and the Chinese government did everything in their power to save his life. But we'll get into that later. Redmond's story hidden history that has remained long forgotten is the story of a true American patriot and the cruelty of a communist regime set on proving a point. Hugh Francis Redmond was born in Yonkers, New York on the 30th of October 1919 to Hugh Francis Redmond Sr. and Ruth Redmond. On July 1st, 1941, Redmond enlisted in the Army and went on to serve in the 101st Airborne Division as a paratrooper. He fought in Normandy with the 506th Parachute Infantry Regiment and saw heavy combat in France and Holland, getting wounded twice. On June 6, 1944, D-Day, he landed near the Duvaux River in Normandy. Of the 20 paratroopers in his group, he alone was neither wounded nor killed. Redmond was awarded a Purple Heart, a Silver Heart, and a Bronze Star with Oak Leaf Clusters for his wartime heroics during the Second World War and returned home at the end of 1945. On July 24th, 1946, just nine months after he had left the army, he joined a top secret intelligence organization within the War Department. Like many highly decorated veterans of World War II, he was eager to continue his service to country, but he had suffered grave wounds in the war. It was doubtful that he would have been eligible for active military duty. And so, like many other casualties of war, he sought out the next closest thing, the clandestine service. The organization Redmond joined was called the Strategic Services Unit, or the SSU. This unit would undergo a few changes over time and eventually become the Central Intelligence Agency of today, as we know it, or CIA. With each change in name and function, the intelligence organization and its mission became more muddied the bureaucracy bogged down in paperwork and inter-service rivalries. By the time of Redmond's arrest in 1951, it had undergone so many transformations that Hugh Francis Redmond had been all but forgotten. His supervisors had been shuffled about from place to place and Redmond, already out of the country for four years, was at best a vague memory a series of dusty file jackets in the bowels of a confused bureaucracy. On completion of his training, Redmond was sent to Shanghai in 1946 to gather intelligence on communist activity in China 
under the alias of a representative of an import-export firm known as Henningsen Brothers of NYC. On October 1st, 1949, Chairman Mao Zedong proclaimed the founding of the People's Republic of China at Tiananmen Square and the Red Guard soon had control of the country. Redmond was given orders to evacuate China and on August 26, 1951, he was boarding the USS Gordon bound for California. As Redmond was getting on board with his wife, police from China's Public Security Bureau boarded the ship, escorted Redmond off and led him away without explanation. Almost immediately, rumors began to circulate around Shanghai and Washington that he had been executed. It was speculated that his Russian wife Lydia betrayed him. He had not mentioned to either his family or agency superiors that he had gotten married. Simply fraternizing with a foreign national, especially one of Russian descent, would have raised eyebrows. A marriage would not only have been subjected to close scrutiny, but might even have been seen as a career-ending error in judgment. Lydia, who later also went by Lily, eventually divorced Redmond, and Redmond's mother Ruth had always detested her daughter-in-law, a woman whom she secretly blamed for her son's imprisonment. On October 19, 1951, the secret list of Americans held by the Chinese, which included Redmond's name, was provided by Assistant Secretary of State Dean Rusk to U.S. Senator William Nolan. At the Senator's request, Nolan had promised that the list would remain confidential. However, on December 8th, Nolan released the names to the press and issued a scorching denunciation of the Chinese. The next day, Redmond's name surfaced publicly for the first time in front pages around the nation. On April 23, 1954, the American consulate in Hong Kong sent a cable to Secretary of State Dulles reporting on its interview with a French Catholic priest who had just been released from a Chinese prison. The priest said he had secret conversations with Redmond and shared a cell with him from September 16, 1953 until April 19, 1954. The cable noted, he is in a cell with Chinese prisoners, forbidden talk with them and given minimum exercise, low grade food, minimum medical care to sustain life. His spirits are quite good. He resists minor tyrannies of guards and interrogators and steadfastly refuses confess accusations of espionage and possession of arms. On September 12, 1954, the Chinese government, through its state-controlled New China News Agency, announced that Redmond had been tried and convicted of spying. The sentence was life imprisonment. Redmond suffered daily excruciating torture and interrogations, but never confessed to being a CIA agent. Interviews with those few Americans and foreign nationals who were released from Chinese prisons 
and later debriefed after entering Hong Kong confirmed that Redmond had remained steadfastly defiant of his Chinese captors. But the prolonged incarceration was taking its toll. His health was declining. For violating minor prison rules, his hands and feet were shackled. He had been interrogated relentlessly. He was held prisoner in a tiny cell with no toilet, surviving on meager portions of rice and vegetables. Redmond endured severe weight loss and his teeth fell out. No longer able to keep the truth from him, despite the cruel conditions he dealt with in China, in June of 1962, Ruth Redmond wrote to her son Hugh and told him everything she knew about Lydia Redmond. Lydia had divorced Hugh in Mexico years earlier. On June 21, 1960, Lydia, then 32, had married a man 10 years her junior. On the marriage application, Lydia had listed her place of birth as China. The maiden name she gave was unfamiliar to the Redmonds or to those once assigned to her case at the CIA. But within two years, that marriage too was troubled. In September 1962, according to Hugh, Lydia finally wrote and spelled it all out. The Mexican divorce, her marriage to a younger man, the problems surfacing in her new marriage. There was even a suggestion that Hugh come to her aid, that he challenged the Mexican divorce on the grounds that he had been unaware of it. Such a protest would nullify the divorce and the subsequent marriage. But Redmond wanted no part of it. Not, not to mention, Redmond was in a Chinese prison and his wife, who he hadn't heard from for many years, his wife, who many suspected betrayed him to the Chinese, this same woman was asking Hugh to come to Mexico and bail her out of this horrible situation she got herself into. The nerve of such a woman, it's simply, it leaves me at a loss for words. Although Hugh was relieved to finally know the truth once and for all, a truth he had been searching for from within a dark cell for years, the truth ultimately devastated him. Although letters from Redmond were received by his family, it was often months and months before the next one arrived. This left the family with nothing to do but wait. Wait and wonder, wait and pray. Redmond's last letter to his family dated July 4th, 1967, quote, It just dawned on me that today is the 4th of July when I wrote the date above, end quote. Hugh Redmond wrote, quote, Did you have a big celebration with fireworks and all? End quote. It closed, as his letters so often did, with a gentle reminder, quote, don't forget to buy ice cream for the children. Very best regards to you all. Love, Hugh. End quote. And there was this final postscript. Quote, Please send a bottle of aspirins. End quote. On July 10th, 1970, the Chinese issued a press release from Shanghai claiming that Hugh Francis Redmond had slashed himself with an American-made razor blade. 
he had severed the artery of the medial aspect of his left elbow and the arteries of his wrist and mortally wounded himself. The Chinese said they had rushed Redmond to the hospital but that it was already too late. He had lost too much blood to be saved. He was 50 years of age. For the Chinese, it had been a brilliant but cynical ploy, releasing an aging bishop at the same time that they announced Redmond's death. In the newspapers and radio reports nearly everywhere but Yonkers, New York, the freeing of Bishop Walsh eclipsed news of Redmond's death. The Chinese had held Redmond for longer than any other American prisoner. They had interrogated him, subjected him to prolonged isolation, and attempted in every way they knew to break him. Yet now, by veiling news of his death in the announcement of Walsh's release, they were being praised for showing compassion. At the State Department, many interpreted the release of Walsh as a gesture to the West, an invitation for improved relations. But at Langley and in Yonkers, there was anger and disbelief. Redmond's cremated remains were returned to America where he was buried in Yonkers Oakland Cemetery on Mo Monday, August 3, 1970 in a silver and lead urn. Mayor Alfred B. Del Bello offered his condolences and ordered that the flags on all public buildings be flown at half-staff all day Monday. Mayor De Bello and three other former mayors, Kristen Christensen, Dr. James F. X. O'Rourke, and Senator John E. Flynn served as honorary pallbearers. The funeral procession was led by a six-man police motorcycle escort and paused briefly at Hudson View Nursing Home, where Redmond's mother was a patient. The victim of a third stroke Mrs. Redmond was unaware that her son allegedly killed himself. The graveside eulogy was delivered by Sol Friedman, chairman of the Redmond Committee, which for years had sought in vain the Yonkers man's freedom, from Yonkers to the farthest corners of the world. Today we bury the ashes of Hugh Redmond, he said. For certain, no one can ever bury the indomitable spirit and courage of this man. He suffered the infinity of his imprisonment as only the bravest of men could endure. Never once could the Chinese government exact a confession or an admission of guilt from him. How easy it would have been to make a confession. Hugh is now at rest. May we all learn from this tragedy once and again the utter stupidity of man's inhumanity to man. The true cause of Hugh Francis Redmond's death remains a mystery to this day. An inscription on his gravestone reads, His country above all else.
for decades, an unnamed star with, quote, 1970, end quote, was on the wall of the memorial at CIA headquarters in Virginia. In the year 2000, the CIA finally acknowledged Hugh Francis Redmond was a CIA agent and he received the name star on the wall of the memorial at CIA headquarters that his nephew William attended. An obituary for Redmond's mother, Ruth, can be found on my website, but I'd like to take a few minutes to speak about her because just like her son, she deserves recognition. Recognition for being a strong woman, recognition for being an amazing mother. With the help of the International Red Cross and the Citizens Committee for the release of Hugh Redmond and the approval of the Chinese government, Mrs. Ruth Redmond traveled to China three times to see her son. In 1958, the year before her husband died, in 1962, and in 1963. In a 1954 letter to President Dwight D. Eisenhower, Mrs. Redmond wrote, The futility of all our efforts and the helplessness we feel is fast undermining our health besides our broken hearts. Is there nothing this great country can do to bring our only son home to us? Mrs. Redmond, a former school dietitian, was honored at a Citizenship Day program at City Hall in 1955 and in 1966 she was honored as the Yonkers Mother of the Year. She was buried in Oakland Cemetery in Yonkers with her husband, their son Hugh, close by. The mother of the year was finally at peace. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Each episode of Hidden History will explore a story that has been hidden in the pages of history and needs to be told. Pictures and newspaper articles relating to a particular episode will be available on my website. Thanks again for listening. I'm John Rodriguez, and this has been Hidden History, an odyssey through time.